Welcome to the Creation Grounds Podcast, where we break down the success, habits, and the life of people in creative fields, discover how they've gotten to where they are, what they aspire to be, and how you can live your dreams too. Let's get to the show. We are very excited to have a very special guest in here, a Morehouse man, a Husky alum, representing in New York, booking things left and right. His name is Brooks Brantley. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're just going to dive right in, man. We're um, interested to know your story of how you made it from Illinois all the way to the East Coast from Morehouse. All right. So uh, starting out. So, uh, okay. So I was born in a town called Belleville, Illinois, which is about 15 minutes outside of St. Louis. Uh, military brat. So my father was in the Air Force. Moved around a little bit, but uh, mostly we just stayed in Illinois. We, like, we lived in Hawaii for a little bit, but that was it. Um, so I finished, when I came back from Hawaii, we, uh, you know, I finished high school. Um, went to Morehouse in Atlanta, and I, I, I majored in, actually I was majoring in uh, English, but then, I, and I took acting as, a, as an elective, so, um, so when I took that class, our first assignment was of course to do monologues, whatever, and I found myself enjoying it, and it was still my freshman year, and uh, so on the day that it was time for us to actually present the monologues, um, Crystal Dickinson, you may, may not know of her, but you know, she's a beast. But she was our teacher at the time at Spelman, because you can cross-register from Morehouse to Spelman to take drama classes. You had to, because Morehouse didn't have an actual drama major. And uh, anyway, so the first day of, of monologues, I, you know, I do my monologue, and she asked me, Brooks, are you a drama major? And for whatever reason, I said yes. Okay. And then I changed my major that night, or that following day. Wow. So you owe your career to Crystal Dickinson. A little bit, a little bit. I Actually, for really? the first time, I was able to tell her that. Um, when I uh, when I went to go see um, uh, at, uh, seven guitars, right? seven guitars, yeah, yeah. I was like, finally, you know, uh, full circle. Thank you. Uh, and then so um, so in Atlanta, uh, doing the Morehouse thing. Um, so I graduated in '07. So right when I graduated, I was able to uh, actually I did this with Cara Patterson, who's actually on Broadway right now doing Jitney, killing it. Um, Did you see that show? Yeah. Uh, this is a side show. That show is dope, man. I saw yeah. it the other night. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy because now, at this stage in my career, like, now I'm watching peers. Now I'm watching right. peers and celebrating uh, work of my friends who are doing amazing things when, you know, years ago, that was, like, just something just to dream about, you know? Because when people ask me what I want to do and, like, what my how I envision my own success... It really, I tell everybody the same thing. It's really about doing great work and celebrating that great work with my peers, like if I, and doing that consistently. You know, that's my ideal situation. So it's kind of fun watching, you know, my friends uh, sort of progress in that kind of way. It's, that's dope. Yeah, man. Kind of going over so, there. with your with your time at Morehouse, um, what was a key takeaway that you learned about being a man of color in America? How does that help you navigate life? Well, I think with Morehouse, it kind of gave me a, a com- instilled in me a competitive drive mm-hmm. um, and a sense of self-responsibility for myself and my community. Like, you know, in, in the arts world, I strive to build a artistic village, a home, because that's what it was for me in the AUC, the Atlanta University Center, which, which is comprised of Morehouse, Spelman, Clark, um, Morris Brown, Morehouse School of Medicine, like all those are, uh, are academic sort of, uh, it's an academic village. And when you go to Morehouse, you, it's, it is sort of like a, a family sort of experience, especially your first couple of years. You have, there's a lot of sort of, it's a private school, so it has their own policies and rituals and things like that that sort of instill certain messages within you. 
um, nothing strict, but very, very um, community driven and um, and forward thinking. Best way I can put it. Yeah. And I and can I kind of sort of carry that mentality into my work going forward, like in just in my own private artistic professional life, um, striving for excellence, um, understanding that no one actually has to care about your circumstances. You have to care. Like, and no one's going to make your prior, no one's going to care about, as much about your priorities than you. And, for sure. You know, it's, uh, yeah, that took away a lot from Morehouse. You know, I actually have notes from certain, like, every, every so often, once a week, you have um, this thing called Crown Forum. And uh, everyone meets in King Chapel, and you have a keynote speaker and things like that, and you're encouraged to, you know, take notes or definitely attend. Like, you actually have to attend several in order to graduate. Um, and actually, every once in a while, I kind of go back and like sort of read things that I, that I ended up re uh, that I was jotting down during those assemblies. And uh, yeah, it follows me to this day. Okay, so you spoke of excellence, and we know that you have a background in martial arts. So when was that introduced in your life, and how did you develop an interest in that? Martial arts. I have to say, martial arts has always been my first love. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I started out. So, like many people, I started out doing taekwondo. Um, that was when I was six. Um, I would always, you know, I was a very active, hyper child. I would be climbing things and stuff like that. And my mother noticed that, and my father, but my mother pointed out that she noticed that I was always defending the underdog. That was her thing. I was always really concerned with the protection of my friends and stuff like that. So she. Um, she kind of she took me to Master Song, and uh, that who's our uh, the uh, the sensei over at a studio to, that taught uh, taekwondo, and then I went from that dojo to Tang Sudo, uh, which is another Korean-based martial art, but just uh, a bit more hardcore. Uh, okay. And then uh, when we moved to Hawaii, because remember it was an Air, Air Force brat, moved to Hawaii, then I stuck at Okinawa Kempo, which was Japanese-based style, and that's where I got um, experience using a lot of different weapons. So now, in the theatrical world, I'm very interested in developing fight choreography, kind of have a couple of projects that I'm actually working on now. Um, and uh, I, I, like my martial arts background influences my career immensely, whether it's through work, work ethic, uh, uh, discipline, exercise, uh, just whole total, my total outlook on life itself. Um, definitely, definitely. That's dope, man. So you go from Morehouse, and now you're coming up north to the cold, to the snow, to the change in weather yes, at UConn. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, so what was your experience like at UConn oh, when man. we first met? Okay, so so we're talking about going, coming from Atlanta, Georgia, to Storrs, Connecticut. And um, so, so yeah, so I went up there for, for grad school, and I, um, you know, I, went, I did it through Erda, and I went up there to visit, actually. And it was during the winter, too, because that's when um, all the grad schools normally do the recruiting. Um, and it was, I didn't see anything. I, thought, I felt like I was in the middle of nowhere. But then I thought to myself, this is exactly what I needed. Because, like I said, I grew up a very hyper, almost, I mean, I'd never actually been tested for ADHD, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I like to call myself, like, I'm unofficially diagnosed. But um, <clears throat> but once I saw once I was up there and I saw just, all that was all that was there was the program and the trees, and that's what I needed. I needed to be isolated. So I needed to focus. I tell people when they when they ask me about my grad school experience at UConn, I I say I felt like I was like a monk that went up the mountain to the temple to train for three years, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then I come back down to the city 
ready to be among you. <laughs> you know, um, but it, it was hard. The training was great. The training was intense. Um, you know, it's uh, it's three years. It's three years in the woods. <laughs> you know, but I got to work with amazing, you know, staff. And I mean, what I really miss now is like you're constantly bombarded with amazing uh, material. That's what I miss too, man. Yeah, for sure. Great, without right. a doubt. And uh, you know, it's 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 a process. It was definitely a process going through the program, but I find that even now I'm still learning lessons from it. Now, I graduated 2011, so 2017, I'm still picking up things and things that were you know taught to me then. They're finally landing now, you know, and, and whether it was just an, incuba an incubation period or I just needed to experience certain parts of life first before I could actually receive the lesson. Uh, right. I do find that on the back end of things, um, it's there are things that are resonating from the from those lessons in the past. So when you're building a character, um, is that process the same with each character, or do you have a different process depending on the character, the type of material? Yeah. Well, I always start off physically um, because I realize like I I work from the outside in. Like I like to. Um, I usually go for a jog and go to the gym and, and during those moments um, as I explore just whether, you know, whether it's an endurance, whether it's a shape, whether it's tempo, whether it's my own breathing pattern, um, I kind of just fool around. It's sort of like a jungle gym kind of method. I, I literally just explore how the words with the words do to my body um, because that's my way in, you know, mm -hmm. my, like, I, you know, with my mind. I get really fuzzy really quickly if I try to approach things on an intellectual level first. Um, I like to let things be a bit more visceral for a while before I commit to anything, before I even try to rationalize the whole concept of the scene or the moment. Just how how do I feel and how does it literally, literally move me? Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah and, I, and actually, and I incorporate a lot of martial arts into that, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably where it comes from. You've been doing martial arts since you were six. It's probably you're very in tune with your body. Um, in terms of, so now we're going to talk about a very deep concept. How, how do you define love and how has it enhanced your life and your career? Cause you're a hubby now. Yeah. Yeah. You wiped up, booed up. Oh. So how, how, oh, there it is. The ring. Oh. You, you guys can't see it, but he's flashing it. I'm a, I'm a, oh, there it is. That's a, that's a big one. I call her midnight. It's midnight. Midnight. <laughs> um, so the question was love, uh, give it to me one more time. How do I? How do you define, it's a kind of a deep question, okay. but how, how do you define love and how has it enhanced your life and career, if at all? Well, I find it to be, well, one thing, love is a verb, and that being said, love is up, having the utmost regard and respect for a thing or a person or a concept that is other than you um, and honoring that. Um, you know, I'm as a newlywed, there's, I'm constantly learning. It's, it is a process. Like many people talk about marriage as though it's some kind of destination. I'm like, nah, mm. it's a journey. We working over here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a journey. It's a journey. And it's one, it's, it's one worthwhile if you know that you're with someone who you're supposed to be with. I mean, which is, you know, I know I use the word no, like, you know it, but, um, it is true when you know you know. Um, yeah, I, I when you have a partner, because imagine imagine knowing you know that no matter what you got someone that's gonna have your back. Period. You know, and walking through life, not you know, and it's not always gonna be a perfect situation, 
that's not human. That's not realistic. Um, but it doesn't mean that it can't be fruitful just because the process can be hard sometimes because the rewards are just, you know, every day I learn more and more um, about different ways I can love, about different ways I can be more receptive and responsive to love and all the other stuff, even outside of my marriage. Just Yeah. So tell us about a time when love wasn't perfect for you. You've been hurt. We all have. Uh, how'd you come to believe in it again? I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. It's very human. Um, what made it worth, what made it worth to you? You mentioned that when you know, you just know. Right. So your wife did that for you. And what would you say to anybody who's jaded about love? Who's just like, uh, if they're a man, they're like, all oh, women are the same. If they're a girl, they're like, all oh, men are the same. Or if they're, if they're, if they're gay or homosexual, all, all whatever it is, their preferences. Well, so there was a quote that somebody told me a while ago that stuck with me. If I can remember it without butchering it, but it's something that, that kind of comes, to, comes to the surface right now. I think it was, um, the best use of life is love and the best expression of love is time and the best uh, time to love is now and that was something that's sort of been that's sort of been following me for the last few years i think ever since i actually graduated and moved to new york that's when i really when i first heard it and the part that really got me was the best expression of love uh, is time because it's the one element that you can't really get back. It's, uh, no one has any ex any spare time. It's just the one thing that you'll never get back. And it's, so it's in many regards, time is is another is another ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, so then you know, I, there was a time where I would allow myself to give up too much of that time for people who were not enriching and nourishing my life. Um, I recall. There were times during like um, my single days, actually, where um, I think it was <laughs> she didn't call back and I allowed myself to continuously be disregarded um, because I, 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 have the, I had an idea of what love was. Um, and love was, and to me at that point, love was about affection, love was about sharing things, love was about talking nice and, and doing great things for each other, but I didn't understand the what all would love fully encapsulated and that was respect is respect for a person's time mm -hmm. and because time is the ultimate expression of love like the only reason why um you know your parents or um or people ever get jealous of you or or, or worry, worry about you from abroad is because that time element is at risk they'll, they'll they're, not, they're not sure if they're going to get that time with you again um and you know, it's it's actually one of the hottest commodities out there, but no one really feel like I feel like no one really realizes it, you know, until it's too late. Um, but yeah, I would say that would that would be an example of uh, a time where I thought because I thought love was about affection and about the positive things, and really I didn't realize what it was. And I let so much time being wasted until I came along, you know, with this lady I got right now. She's she's keeping me around for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm happy that I, I'm happy that she lets me have her time and vice versa. Um, what I would tell anybody out there is respect your time because time is equivalent to life itself. It is. You know, um, so when you want someone to respect your time, you, you know, you're actually asking them to respect you and you have to respect your time and respect yourself enough, um, to have that, to have those, those parameters set up for yourself to protect yourself and not in the sort of like defensive walls are up, you know, not letting anyone in kind of way but understanding your value 
understanding yeah. what you're worth, you know, understanding that you are precious, you know, and we only get one of these life. We only get one. You only get one of these. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy, man. Yeah. Just one wise words from Sensei himself. <laughs> so Close. what was, what, <laughs> what was the moment that you knew you loved your wife? Was it a look? Um, where'd you guys meet and what made you put a ring on it ultimately? Um, I think the, when I realized that I, I found someone that I could see eye to eye with, eye to eye, not meaning, um, that we would agree all the time, but eye to eye, like, you know, I, you know, you, you've every, you know, you've always, you've been in relationships or not relationships or even dated someone that yes, your, your sister's the uh, attraction. Yes. There may be a spark. But at the end of the day, your outlooks on life kind of, kind of still separates you. Right. And, and with that sort of, because there's nothing wrong with being different, but when there are, when there are fundamental differences, um, you guys, it's, it's just hard to end up being on the same page, you know? Um, now, my wife and I, we are different. Now we are different people. You know, she's a Southern Belle. She's from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Okay. Okay. And uh, we and we have a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things, and we're passionate about them. But when I look at her and I say I see her eye to eye, there's a level of respect that I have for her that has nothing to do with me. You know. Right. Um. We were. We know that we would be fine without each other. Um. And, and yet we find ourselves needing each other, and I feel like that dynamic to me alone speaks volumes and and lets me know that I'm with someone who is worth my time I'm, and she's deemed apparently that I'm worth her time <laughs> <laughs> and um, and there's that level of respect because respect um, and honesty those are like the pillars I feel like of any relationship whether it's professional whether it's romantic friendships all that stuff um, and I so is that is that kind of like the key so you kind of branched this question already it's so we talked about romantic um, elements. Would you say that romantic elements of keeping a relationship alive are the same principles that you would have for friendships, for business um, things, for yeah. any kind of relationship? Yeah, I mean, so it's the same. I feel like I married my best friend. You know, uh, yeah, I, w I, I would have to say, like, whatever that arrangement is, you have to honor that, and you have to work to maintain and protect it um, consistently every day. Um, so principally, yes, there's, there's a lot of overlap, a lot of parallels, to, the, regardless of whatever dynamic the relationship has. Um, but I know that for something that, you know, what we're talking about, if we're talking about marriage, um, I know that uh, having a strong friendship is key, it's paramount, you know, mm -hmm. it's paramount. Um, and yeah, and that's, and that's sort of the thing that kind of keeps, uh, keeps it keeps it fun remembering that you're with your friend that's dope man yeah. so with your with your friend what are your top five love songs you got a top five? Oh man uh i tell you what if uh oh man she's a dancer so she killed me this the pressure is on uh oh uh, so all right so i'm gonna ignore what she would say because you included her in that one let's leave her out of it because she has she has like her her musical vocabulary is just crazy she pulls songs from nowhere um but me I tell you what, I feel all lovey-dovey with Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, September. Um, I'd say, um, ooh, um, 
Isn't she lovely? And Stevie Wonder, got yeah, it. Stevie Wonder. Uh, <laughs> what else do I have? Oh, Music Soul Child, love. That's my, that's that's me. That's that is yeah. That's you. That's me right there. That's my little. Um, <laughs> I have a, I had a Music Soul. I, I was a big fan of it because there's a couple. Of, I, I, that, I'll just I'll just settle for one single from that album when he first came out. But uh, yeah, because I could include. A girl next door too. That's good too. I think you know what I just did. You just did. So that's four. That's four. And then um, so one song. So we we just had we, not too long ago we got our wedding our wedding uh, video our wedding trailer uh, uh, video sent to us. And when they were editing it, they asked us to send them a song that we liked. And we ended up finding the song with uh, Neo was a, it's called like the best thing I never knew I needed from from the Princess Frog soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> Princess Frog in the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, that's my jam. That's my love jam. It's the best thing I never knew I needed. And that's dope, man. Yeah. So your Broadway debut, man. Yes. Congrats. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, so I mean, I'll, I'll be in Significant Other, which will be at the Booth Theater. Come check it out. Um, I actually was, um, it's an understudy role for you, and I actually was understudying with the production when it was off-Broadway at Roundabout at the Pell's Theater. Um, and um, sort of really after that production closed, producers said, hey, we like it, we want to bring it to Broadway. Um, and uh, we just want to bring everybody who was involved in the project uh, with us. And so now it's happening. So it's kind of dope that my very first official Broadway contract I didn't have to audition for. It's just one of those things that just comes from like, you know, um, just works out. Just worked out that way. Uh, That's dope. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I got a lot of great actors in there. Uh, uh, Lindsay Mendez and, you know, Gideon Glick and John Bellman, uh, Sass Goldberg, a whole bunch, Luke Smith. You know, it's a great cast. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going down. Like, we begin, I begin rehearsals at the end of the month. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to finally being in the city working <laughs> yeah yeah because you've been you've been all over the place you've been um you know upstate then you yeah did yeah. did fly was that any, you where would you do fly so at? i did fly was so that... that was uh so that was the co-production so that was between crossroads um in, uh, in new brunswick um and uh uh new victory theater on 42nd street here in new york and then at the pasadena playhouse over there out there in california in, in pasadena so it was a co-production um with uh, ricardo khan directing Cool. When do you open? Do you know the opening dates for Significant Other? Oh, I should. Oof. But uh, February 13th, I believe, is it? Don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay. But in February, like previews and all that? Yeah. And how can people contact you, brother? You have social media, you oh, got yeah. a website. You can contact me on the gram. I used to be Limitless 35, but since Limitless came out, that TV show, I kind of put a damp on my vibe. So now I'm just B. Brantley 35. <laughs> D Brantley thirty five. Same thing for same thing for Twitter, and uh, oh yeah, um, I have a few things uh, that I'm uh, I'm working on right now. I can't get into the specifics of it all, but just know that it's one might be a series, um, and another one might be a series. And then I have a studio that class that I'm teaching about. And if you're interested in developing any uh, sort of material for your reel, and you wanted a shot, and you wanted it to look like it actually came out of a feature. Come holler at your boy Brooks Brantley, real technique. What's 
Is that the same? What's the website for that, for the film reel? For the film reel, so the company's called Real Technique. Uh, we actually ended up launching. We're going to launch it at the end of the month. Um, and don't worry, we'll be blasting the internet full of uh, plenty of uh, information for people who are interested and uh, really, you know, you know, young actors who are interested in really, you know, just building material for their reel and without having it look like something generic, you know, that, you know, we don't, we don't do just blue backdrops and, <laughs> and, and you talking to the camera, like, it's going to feel like a scene. We, you know, we'll have a gaffer, we have lighting, you know, we have a DP, we, you know, we got the material and we have the, uh, and the, we have the equipment. So, uh, yeah, look out for that real technique. Dope, man. Much love for coming on to the podcast uh, and much now, man. success. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, man. All right. Have a good one. That's it for this episode of The Creation Ground. I'm your host, Aaron Lloyd. Be sure to check out our Instagram for future and previous guest info and check out our YouTube channel in the show notes below. Email us with any suggestions at thecreationgrounds at gmail.com. And if you got something out of this, I'd really appreciate if you spread the word and the love. Until next time, this is Aaron Lloyd telling you that the sky is the limit. Stay creative.